When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. This is Tom Reed, joined as always by Dave Molinari. A little bit later, we'll be uh, talking with Michael Russo of The Athletic. I'm going to get into uh, some stuff. The Wild will be in next week, but we're also going to talk about things that are going on in Chicago that have made headlines and stuff that's going on in Florida uh, that is certainly making headlines as well. But of course, Always the focus, the local team, uh, Sidney Crosby, uh, depending on when you have heard this, may have already played his first game, but uh, there's a lot of expectation that he was going to be back uh, for Saturday. And boy, Dave, uh, uh, just uh, certainly coming in the right amount of time. I, in watching these last couple games, a uh, 5-1 uh, loss to uh, the defending champions, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and a four nothing loss on Thursday night to Calgary. Uh, it reminded me of the saying of uh, the full long time ago, coach Kevin Constantine, who used to always love to say water finds its level. And I think with this underman group that has done a pretty good job, water has finally started to find its level here offensively. Oh yeah. I, I don't think there, there's any question about that. When, when you look and see that, the Penguins have been playing for much of this season without their top three centers, um, their first line right winger, and they also uh, were missing their first line left winger uh, when the season began. They, you know, they don't have their number one defenseman, who's also their most skilled offensive defenseman. I mean, there's an awful lot of talent that's uh, not in uniform for the, this team. Uh, these days and yeah it's it's finally being reflected on the scoreboard i mean they got some surprising production early in the season from guys like danton heinen but you know all of a sudden the goals have been hard to come by and you know that some of the credit for that goes to the teams they've played and the goalies they faced you know andre vasilevsky and uh, jacob markstrom were just sensational you know for the, for the lightning and the flames in the past two games. But, you know, the penguins, when they're at full strength, if anybody uh, can remember when such a thing uh, exists, uh, they have the talent to, to beat the goalies uh, who who are, you know, world-class talents when, even when those guys 
or at the top of their games. But when you're sending out the kind of lineup that uh, Pittsburgh has been through the first seven games of, of this season, you know, there's only so much that you can reasonably expect. And I think, you know, bobbing along uh, just a bit over 500 as, as the Penguins are uh, when we're recording this, you know, I, th- I think is a, a, you know, they would have been reasonably satisfied with that had it been offered to the coaching staff going into the season. Without question, I was just going to say that, I mean, if, if, if they're never going to tell you they would sign up for three, two and two, but when the guys that they were missing to start the season and then, you know, losing a Carter and a Latang, that type of thing, guys, as, as the season goes along with the, the COVID issues, I, I, I think Mike Sullivan is, would be very happy through the first seven games to be just kind of in the thick of things. And it's early, of course, but what, you know, the fear when you looked at that schedule at the beginning and, and the qual some of the quality teams that they faced was, boy, you just hope that they don't, you know, like one in six or something like that. And that's been avoided. They, they've played pretty well. I thought uh, as we were preparing here and you were making, writing copious notes, uh, I thought you made a really interesting point. Uh, and the fact that, you know, the, the Penguins really, you know, they, they, you look at the score five, one, four, nothing. And that certainly doesn't seem to, uh, flatter the the home team, but they worked hard. But do, let the let the listeners uh, hear what your thoughts were, and kind of what the Penguins kind of a reversal of fortune in years past. Well, and I, I thought this was particularly true in the Tampa Bay game, where the Penguins, uh, in my opinion, were on the on the receiving end of something they did to so many opponents over the past fifteen seasons or so where the other team would just play its heart out, just give everything it had on every shift, you know, generate good scoring chances, but never quite be able to capitalize on it. And then somebody from the Penguins, a Crosby or a Malkin or a Latang, you know, or a Gensel is, you know, somebody with exceptional talent goes out and scores a goal. And all of that hard work, you know, goes for naught that that the other team put in. And, you know, that was, uh, I think, a pretty good synopsis of the Tampa Bay game for the Penguins. You know, the the Lightning has a a very skilled lineup. And I thought the Penguins, you know, gave a very good accounting of themselves uh, in that game. But Tampa's superior talent was able to... uh, to overcome that. And, uh, yeah, as, as I say, I'm, I'm sure that some people around the league, if they, uh, paid attention to, uh, to the finer points of that game, um, probably, you know, got a chuckle out of, out of seeing the Penguins get what they, uh, doled out so many times over the past decade or so. Yeah. Uh, you know, these last two games, you, Especially, you know, again, the, the other night against Calgary, I mean, how many odd man chances are just great A chances that they had. They were either hitting the shoulders or the crest where, you know, if a Crosby, when he's in form or a Malkin is in form, those are probably going in the corners, right? They're going in the corners of the nets or they're finding holes uh, between the pads uh, for goals and just op- some, some of the opportunities uh, you're having a two-on-one or something in the past doesn't make it across because the player simply isn't skilled enough. Uh, you would hope as a Penguin fan that's going to change here with an infusion of, you know, obviously getting Crosby back, and we're going to talk about that in one second. But, Dave, 
what is do you think that that, that we'll see Jeff Carter uh, is getting sounds like he's getting very close as well? Uh, yeah, it certainly sounds like it. I I don't know at this time whether he will be in the lineup on Saturday or not. Um, just because you know he's uh, been away for you know about ten days while in, in the COVID protocol, and you know that at this point we don't have any idea what what his conditioning is like, you know whether he's physically capable of of going out and playing without uh, you know risking an injury or, or something like that. But I think if if the medical people are okay with him playing. And, you know, assuming Carter feels like he's ready to play, I have to think they will get him into the lineup as, as quickly as possible. And then the same being true with with Crosby. I mean, those two guys could make a huge difference uh, for this team. Yeah, let's just let's just get the obvious. What what kind of boost even not even a boost, but but we, we everyone knows uh, Sidney Crosby's sensational talent. Obviously, future Hall of Famer, one of the top ten players of all time. But what else does it maybe as far as the lineup? Maybe getting guys, dropping some guys back, maybe some slots where they're probably should be, but if, are having to play up right now. Uh, again, they've done pretty well, but we've seen a couple games brought. Yeah, I, I would think that the, that the first guy to go uh, when Crosby or Carter would come back would be Sam Lafferty, uh, who's you know right wing on the on the fourth line. I would guess that Evan Rodriguez, who has been playing first line center, would drop back to that spot. And if you get uh, Crosby and Carter both back then I would think that uh, Dominic Simone would join uh, Lafferty in, in the press box and that Drew O'Connor would uh, move to left wing on, on that fourth line. But, you know, that's, you know, co- coaches will make their own evaluations uh, based on what they see on tape and what they've seen from the bench and, and those sorts of things. But I mean, that's, my perspective right now for what uh, what the lineup would look like if and when they get those two guys back. All right. When we come back on the 66-87 podcast, we'll turn that last point around and say who de- who deserves not to come in the line, who needs to stay in the lineup uh, with the way that they've shown, uh, shown out here in the first six or seven games. So stay with us here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the 66-87 podcast. Dave, we, we finished the first segment by talking about some of the guys that may drop out of the lineup. Uh, we, we've seen an extended run by some of the this group, again, that did not include uh, Crosby, Malkin, uh, at times early, Gensel. Uh, but who has impressed you? Who, who uh, of the group uh, of this, uh, of some of the, this undermanned group that just definitely deserves to stay in the lineup Maybe not. Maybe he's high in the lineup, but has but has played well enough that this they have to be uh, on this team going into this next segment of games for you. Well, I I think Drew O'Connor is, yeah. is the obvious answer to that one. I mean, considering that he's just in his second year of pro hockey, um, you know, I I thought that he had some potential. You know, when we saw him a year ago, but he he made. Great strides uh, since his rookie season. Uh, he's uh, shown the kind of versatility that, that Mike Sullivan really likes. You can use him in the middle. You can use him on the wing. Um, I think he's had a, you know, a very solid overall performance. And, you know, he's, uh, he's got three goals. You know, he's, you know, on a 41-goal pace at, at, at the moment. I don't know that we should... Uh, expect him to keep that up but uh you know he i think he's been a very pleasant surprise and he he's a big part of the reason that that they've had the uh success that they have to this point of the season your thoughts on the back end any i mean just again they've had to they've had to had some had had some guys come in and out of the lineup we obviously talked about latang uh there have been some other issues who has played maybe okay for you on the back end or who has not uh, taken, taken their opportunity and run with it? Um, I, I mean, the, the one guy who I think has, has been a, uh, a pleasant surprise back there is Marcus Pedersen, just because, you know, he had such a tough season for, for most of, of, you know, 2020, 21. Um, he's been uh, very good to, to this point. Um, he's been a little more involved offensively than, uh, than I think we expected. He's, he's been, uh, very good in his own end. Um, I, you know, I certainly like what I've seen from him. Uh, you know, John Marino is, uh, having a, a pretty nice bounce back year of his own. Uh, you know, the, the rest of the group, there's, you know, um, you know, the, the whole dynamic back there gets altered when you don't have Latang. He's the cornerstone of the group. And so yeah. when he's not around, it kind of, you know, uh, throws, uh, I don't want to say throws everything into chaos. That's overstating it. But uh, it's uh, quite a disruption trying to, to make up for that. You know, and John Marino, I think, has done a pretty good job of uh, eating some of those those minutes that uh, – 
that Latang would would consume, uh, especially you know he's uh, even before Latang uh, was diagnosed with COVID, he was picking up uh, some of Latang's uh, penalty killing duties to uh, you know try and conserve some energy for Latang. So I certainly think the Penguins have to like what they've seen from him. You know we've seen some flashes of the uh, the offensive ability that that Mike Matheson brings. Um, that, that can certainly be an asset for them, but, you know, the, the unit, you know, is never really going to have a chance to perform to its potential, you know, until Latang is, is back as part of it. You think, would you, I would have to think there's going to be a little bit of, I think, I think when, when these guys get back, I think fans, the natural, the natural feeling was, okay, here we go. But I would have to think it may, it may take a few games, uh, you know, back to Crosby and, and just the, getting the line straightened. And, you know, I never put anything past Crosby. He may have a five-point game in his first game back. But I would think there is have... precedent. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember of one of his first games back uh, against the Islanders after, I believe it was after a uh, lengthy concussion absence. So he had four points. I want to say it was two goals and two assists. But, yeah, so <laughs> – yeah. So the, there's the almost way, nothing you could say that would be, you know, out of the uh, out of the realm of possibility with him. Yeah. Um, you know, Dave, we again, we, we, we started this uh, this uh, this show by talking about the, the team kind of leveling out a little bit, which isn't really a surprise offensively. But I, I think, again, getting back to the fact that they're three, two and two and and Kasperi Kapanen and Jake Gensel have one goal between them. I think it even says more about how this group was able to overcome some issues. What are you seeing with those two players? Let's start with Kapanen because I know a couple of weeks ago we I I, I kind of used him as kind of maybe the X factor here early in the season as a guy that they could really they could really need him to 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 score to kind of get this group uh, you know across the line until the, the reinforcements can come back. He's got a couple of assists, I think four assists, but the goals have not been there, Dave. No. And I mean, I, I agree with you that he, uh, he had a chance to be a key variable for them going into the season with, with all of the offensive talent that that sidelined and you could make a case that he has been that uh, their record could actually be, you know, better than the acceptable level that it's at right now if he had been scoring. I mean, he's talked about uh, how he's happy with the, the, you know, the chances he's gotten, but, you know, the, the scoreboard doesn't uh, give you credit for the chances you get. It, it reflects, you know, the pucks that you put past goaltenders. And through seven games, he has yet to do that. And Gensel, um, I, I believe he's, he missed one game, but he only has one goal and, you know, he's a potential 40 goal guy in this league. Uh, you've got to get more production than that out of him, particularly at a time when you're playing without Crosby and Malkin and Carter and Rust and Latang. you know, that's, uh, that's an awful lot of offense to be missing. And, and Gensel is, is one of the few guys on, on the roster who who can help to uh, put a dent in, in in what you're missing with those guys? No, just to be, play devil's advocate for a second, is it, is it easy enough? Is it a convenient enough excuse to say, well, Gensel has been playing with the same line mates for seems like forever now, and 
he hasn't had Crosby at all this year and Rust wasn't hasn't been around for a whole lot this year either with injuries or is it hey this guy's expected to find a way to score some goals here here even without uh his his center first line center well I I I mean I think both points are valid you know you it does take time to get acclimated to to new line mates uh there's no question about that but you know, you, you like to think that, that your skilled guys could be able to to step up, you know, when, when you're missing some key personnel the way, you know, the way the Penguins are. And Gensel is one of those guys with, with that kind of talent that, that he could uh, help to, to fill the void that, that's been created by those absences. And, and so far, at least in terms of, of goal scoring, he hasn't done that. Yeah. All right. When we come back, uh, we'll be joined by Michael Russo from the Athletic. Again, we're going to talk a little bit about the Wild. We'll be uh, they'll be playing the Wild here shortly, but next week sometime. And also, we're going to talk a little bit about the situation in Chicago, and also in Florida. Mike uh, covered the Panthers for years, so we'll get his input on some of the things that are going on around the league. So stay with us here on the sixty six eighty seven podcast. one of absolutely the best beat writers in the country. We're going to hit Mike up with a lot of questions today. He cover, His main responsibility is covering the Minnesota Wild. Of course, they're going to be in later this week to play the Penguins. Also going to talk a little bit about what's going on with the Blackhawks and also Joe Quinville, uh, quote-unquote, stepping down in Florida. Mike covered the, uh, the Panthers for years. So, Mike, uh, let's start off with the team that you are covering at this point. Uh, pretty good start for the team. Uh, what has gone well uh, for this club uh, to get to get off to a five and two start? Yeah, you know, uh, really good start until last night. They did not play well in Seattle. It was by far their worst game of the season. Um, you know, it was just one of those games. They started well. They jumped out to an early lead, and then it was just – I don't know if they thought it was going to be easy, but the Kraken put on a, their work boots and – and just outplayed them. And uh, now the Wild do have a COVID issue right now. Zuccarello and Pitlick were missing from the lineup. They have a definite injury issue on the back end. Um, uh, Kulikov and Goligoski didn't play. One kid made his NHL debut, and it was as bad an NHL debut as I've ever seen. And he was just reassigned <laughs> about a minute ago. Um, and um, and then, you know, Jordy Ben, John Merrill, these are, you know, depth defensemen that were playing huge roles yesterday. So I think that was part of the issue is the Wild couldn't get out of their own zone, couldn't get any sustained pressure in the offensive zone. But overall, I mean, look, they're playing well. And this is with, you know, Karol Kaprizov and Kevin Fiala getting off to really tough starts this year. Uh, Kaprizov has seven assists in seven games, but he has not been good. Um, not getting a lot of scoring chances. Um, uh, just um, not nearly as explosive as he was last year. Um, not engaged, not winning a lot of battles. Um, Kevin Fiala, sort of the same thing, probably trying a little too hard. And uh, they've combined one goal. And, and Dean Evison really let him have it uh, last night. This is four bad games in a row for Kaprizov. And um, 
and Fiala has not been that much better. And, and he basically in, you know, coach speak said that they're playing too individualistic, too selfish, all that type of stuff. And so, um, but they've, they've done well because of their depth guys. I mean, they, they, they've get goals and points up and down their lineup. They have a really quality blue line. They've been getting good goaltending from Cam Talbot. So uh, we'll see if they can pick it up. Huge test uh, tomorrow night against the avalanche where the wild did not face well here in Denver uh, the last couple of years. Michael, the uh, how much of the uh, Kaprizov struggles in the early part of the season do you attribute to the new contract or those completely separate issues? Yeah, you know, I don't know him well enough to know if that's the type of thing that would create this pressure. Uh, I'm sure he's putting an immense amount of pressure on himself right now, having no goals in seven games. He didn't go more than six games without a goal during his rookie of the year campaign last year. Um, but you know what? I mean, when you when you have played 55 games in the NHL and you've played against seven teams in the NHL in mostly non-pressure pack situations in buildings with no fans um, and you have a great year and then you hold the team hostage uh, for nine million dollars a year up until the eve of training camp, um, th- that comes now with scrutiny. Um, you know, you wanted to be paid like a star. You wanted to be treated like a star. Now you better deliver like a star. And he has not been a star. He's not even been anything close to it. And, um, you know, so now is the time he's going to have to start playing better or the scrutiny is just going to continue to build and build and build. And, um, that's just my sense of it, but it's just, he's not playing very well. I don't know if it's the pressure getting to him. I don't know if he's hurt. Um, what it is, but he's just, he lacks that giddy up that he had last year where, you know, his edge work his first couple strides where he's, you know, he's, he's never been, the, he's not like a, you know, he's not the type of guy that's going to go out and win a race length to length on the ice, but his first couple strides usually allows him to go gain separation on players. And he's just also not going to the areas where he scored a lot of the goals last year. So if I were him, I'd get on YouTube, start looking at his highlights, get some good feelings in his body and come in ready to put on a show this week. Uh, uh, Michael, we had, um, we had Ian Cole on over the summer, obviously won a couple of cups here was with, was with, with the wild last year, really seemed to enjoy himself and really yeah. seemed to enjoy, uh, what D- Dean Everson was laying down. What has been, is it Everson? What has been the change there? Because that they, they were kind of a feel good story, the wild being a feel good story last season. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, they've, they've made a lot of changes and the best is yet to come because they have a lot of kids uh, still coming that aren't even on this roster yet. The Marco Rossi's, the Matt Boldy's, the Adam Beckman's, the Murat Husnadinov's. Um, Ian Cole was outstanding last year for the Wild and it's a huge, huge loss for this team. I mean, they could really use them right now with all these injuries that they have on the back end. I mean, you know, um, and, and trust me, Billy Guerin wanted to bring him back. Um, you know, the problem is, is that they didn't have a lot of cap space. Uh, they went out and tried to sign Nick Felino. Nick played it like the book, which I completely respect. I mean, you know, Nick, you know, you know the way it is, uh, like, guys, you know, like, I mean, everybody tampers. I mean, you, you know, the second free agency starts 10 minutes later, multi-million dollar deals are somehow negotiated right. and consummated. And, and Nick Felino took three, four hours, uh, to five hours, six hours to make up his mind that day, actually talk to different teams. And by that time, Ian Cole, I think, started to get a little worried. Well, I'm not going to wait on Bill Guerin in the wild forever. And so he pulled the trigger on the one-year deal at $2.9 million. Well, then the wild didn't sign Nick Felino. They reallocated their funds to the back end. But by then, pretty much everybody was gone. And they started offering contracts to the you know, Kulikov's the world, the Johnny Merrill's, the the Ryan Murray's, and and um, Kulikov and Merrill pulled the trigger first before Ryan Murray. So that's why they're here. But it's a huge loss. But 
Um, I know that Ian enjoyed his time here and felt like there's a really good vibe going on in that room now. Um, you know, real good leadership core with guys like Marcus Foligno and Jared Spurgeon and, and people like that. You guys know Galagoski really well. He's fit in great. Um, so there's a lot to like about this team right now. And even though this is sort of a transition year after the buyouts of Parisian Suter, it, it sure feels like this team's good enough to make some noise in the central division. Uh, you uh, mentioned a team that, or another team that has a uh, pretty promising future right now is uh, Florida, although the outlook there, uh, you know, got uh, a bit more hazy over, over the past few yeah. days with the, with the resignation of Joel Quenville. As a guy who spent a lot of years covering the Panthers, how do you assess where that franchise stands now? And how much of a setback do you think it will be to, to lose a coach who seemed to be bringing out the best in a pretty talented roster? Yeah, no doubt about that. You know, I think that jury is still out. Like, obviously, you need a great coach there uh, to to guide that ship. But that but that is a good hockey team. I I love the things that Bill Zito has done to really flesh that things out. Out add guys like Reinhardt and Bennett and people like that that have gone in there and fit in like a glove. Obviously, Barkov has committed long term to that franchise now. Um, you know, Andrew Burnett, who knows if he's how long the interim tag is going to be on him. I mean, who knows? Tortorella could be in there by the end of the day, right? Um, you know, so uh, we'll see how long it, uh, uh, that they take to hire a new coach. But I'm rooting for them, and I hope that this isn't, you know, like to me, this was coming in going to be the year of the Florida Panthers. They're ready to make a run. This is an organization that hasn't won a playoff round since the Eastern Conference Final against the Pittsburgh Penguins in 1996. I mean, that is unbelievable. There are 24-year-old people out there that were not born the last time that the Panthers won a, a playoff round. I mean, that, that is nuts. And uh, so this seemed to be the year. And then what do they do? It just almost feels like motivation's curse. What happens is that all of a sudden uh, Quenville winds up in this type of hot water and, and this team that's undefeated right now goes and loses their coach. It, it's pretty crazy, but there is the talent is there. The question is, you know, who comes in there to eventually take over um, you know, Tortorella is the one that everybody seems to be mentioning. Um, you know, I wonder, though, if Bill Zito is going to say that guys like Bobrovsky and maybe uh, Declare didn't love playing with him in Columbus. That's obviously conjecture, but that's something that you better be careful of because it sure feels like Bobrovsky is having a bounce back season right now. And you don't want to do anything to, you know, pretty much ruin that. So uh, we'll see what happens here in the next little bit. But I got to think that they're going to have a full time coach in there sooner than later. I don't think I'll ever be able to share this story on, on the 87 podcast again. So I'm going to tell my only Bill Zito story. Bill Zito, okay. uh, when he was, when, when Bill Zito was coming up in college hockey, he had a roommate and they were, uh, and his roommate uh, was dating a girl that was working at Foot Locker. And Bill Zito got to know her pretty well. And he was saying, well, what is your ambitions? And she said, I want to be an actress. I want to be an actor. I, I believe I have the talent and the skill to be an actor. And Bill said, you know what? Just keep focusing on going to school. You're working here at Foot Locker right now. Focus on your studies. They, don't worry about that kind of stuff. That was Julia Roberts. Ah. So, so Julia Roberts ended up being a big star. And then Zito, they were out, they were out on the West Coast one day and they spot her in his, his store. And Zito goes to his buddies, he goes, that's Julia Roberts over there. Watch, I'm going to go up and start talking to her. So that was uh, that was a my only Bill Zito story. Um, That's hilarious. Th 
the transition here obviously is is not easy after telling telling a Bill Zito story. But Mike, I know you're so plugged in in the league. We were just talking about Joe Quinville. He's out there. Uh, just your thoughts on on on, on this story that, that is coming out of Chicago, and, and it's for for myself, it's hard to believe reading this, and hard to believe what how this all went down and the lives that have been impacted yeah. by it. Yeah, I mean, this was a true true cover up. I mean, this like this is like it's amazing to me that after advancing to the Stanley Cup final, that so many people seem to be complicit in the fact, like, we'll just deal with this. We don't want to ruin our chances of winning a Stanley Cup, so we'll just deal with this in two or three weeks. Um, and reading all these reports from the people that were interviewed in this report, the, the, the um, you know, the John McDonald's, the, the you know, the, um, uh, you know, Stan Bowman, they all said that there was agitation in that room. Um, you know, Quenville was upset that they had to deal with it, didn't want any distractions. And then to find out that they knew about this in May, didn't go to HR about it until three or four days after they won the Stanley Cup. And then in the end of the year evaluation that Quenville wrote all these glowing things about mm. Aldrich, um, it's, it's just, I'm amazed at that. And these are people that, you know, I hate to say it like this, I used to respect, like I, I you know, I, like I, I, I had a lot of conversations with Stan Bowman just in the last month because the Wild had played them a couple times in the in the preseason and, and in the rookie camp. And I've long admired Quenville as a coach. And and um, you know, it's just I'm amazed that that just you could have such a serious situation, such a disgusting situation, and and not address it immediately. And then not only that, then when you start to address it, that you sit there and you you write glowing things about him in an evaluation. It just, it's so the, the lack of empathy and humanity and integrity and credibility from that organization. And those people, it's just really, really sad. And, and they have, um, you know, and then you watch that interview with Kyle Beach the other day with Rick Westhead. And it, it's one of the most gripping things I've ever seen in, in my life. And uh, you just wish all them, you know, and all the people that this guy affected, um, you know, all the best in the future. All right, Michael, we're going to end it right there. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time again. Mike Russo from The uh, the Athletic, one of the best beat writers out there. Read his stuff. And, of course, The Wild will be in town later this week. Uh, that's it for us today. Uh, for Dave Molinari and for Michael Russo, this is Tom Reed. We'll talk to you next time on the 66 to 87 podcast.